and welcome to the Destinate NZ Show. I'm Michelle Caldwell and today we're heading to the Hawke's Bay. Well, kia ora everybody and welcome back. I hope you have had a great couple of weeks. Now, obviously we didn't have a show last week because I went off on holidays to Australia and yes, had a great time. Is wonderful to get away and spend a week at the beach, walking along the beach, sand in your toes and swimming pretty much every day in 30 degrees plus. So yeah, very relaxing, but I am back on deck now. So some of you have been listening in because you found us via our Trends Talk episodes. And yes, we did an episode on how to get the most out of your appointment schedule. Now, I don't know how you've been going the last couple of weeks, but we now have two days left until the appointment schedules close. So yes, they close on the 24th. We have two days to go. So hopefully by now you have identified everybody that you'd like to meet at Trends and you are literally just going through the last little ranking exercises to make sure that you have them in the priority order that you want to see them. So good luck with that and hopefully you are going to be happy with all of your appointments when they're released in a month's time. Wow, we have a good episode lined up for you today and this is one that I've wanted to do for a while but as we cover off I also wanted to give the Hawks Bay team time and space to collect their thoughts, find out what was really happening in their region before we got them on to do an update. So we have Heather Matthews joining us today and this is a great chat about how the Hawke's Bay is recovering, how they are faring after Cyclone Gabrielle came through a month ago and basically, yeah, smashed them. Pretty unexpectedly, I think. Well, I say that because I felt that that's what it was for me. I'm not sure if it was for everybody, but yeah. But there's a couple of ways you can help and we cover them off in the episode, but I'm going to give you some tips now because I think it's really important that we get behind these regions. And look, I'm going to say this is probably the same for Coromandel, Tairawhiti Gisborne, West Auckland and any other region that has been affected maybe raglan there's a few other spots that we're all aware of but how can you help these regions get back on their feet well obviously you can buy their products and hawks bay food and wine capital of new zealand you're going to find a lot of hawks bay products on the shelves drink their wine when you're in a restaurant choose the hawks bay wine for a change or maybe you love Hawke's Bay wines like I do and you have it anyway. But yeah, choose the Hawke's Bay wine as a conscious decision. Book a trip and prepay. So have a think about when you can get to the Hawke's Bay. They are ready to welcome us back. Heather explains everything in the episode and they need us to come back. So what about a lovely winter getaway in the Hawke's Bay? If you can't make it, why not buy a gift voucher for friends or family to head to the Hawke's Bay and do some tourism activities, lunches in wineries. Oh, it sounds pretty good to me. I know what I will be doing after this. And finally, this is what this episode is all about. But 
be informed about the situation there because I know that most of you listening are involved in the tourism industry because obviously that's what this podcast is all about. So you talk to a lot of people and it's a lot better when we're all really informed as to what the actual situation is on the ground so we can help share that news through the industry and help these regions get back on their feet. Okay, so that is it from me. This is quite a long episode, but as I said, worth hanging in there. Heather and I had a a really good chat and it is great to see them doing so well. However, we do just want to still acknowledge those who are doing it tough in the more remote parts of Hawke's Bay and other parts of New Zealand that are still struggling with access and getting back on their feet. So certainly not to take away from what you're experiencing, but yeah, we wanted to cover off obviously from a visitor sector perspective, what the situation was on the ground in Hawke's Bay. Now, don't forget to follow us on the socials, Instagram, destinate underscore NZ. And if you'd like to leave us a review because you've enjoyed this show, please do so. You can do that on Apple and Spotify. Or you can leave us a five star on any of the other podcast apps that you're listening on. So we really appreciate that. That helps us get noticed. It helps us um, get found by new listeners. And obviously, we want to spread the good word of New Zealand tourism as far and wide as we possibly can. So have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next time. Happy day. Well, today we welcome Heather Matthews from Hawke's Bay Tourism. Kia ora, Heather, and welcome to the show. Kia ora, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Well, it's great to have you here. Now, obviously, you guys have been through a lot for the start of the year, and it was a month ago that Cyclone Gabrielle came through and basically ripped through your region from what we've seen on TV. And I've wanted to get you on to the show to talk about this and give everybody an update, but obviously... Also wanted to give you the time and space to really get a good understanding of what was happening in your region. And it's great that you could join us today to give us that update. But firstly, how are you and how is your team? Oh, well, thank you for asking. I am well safe and well and very minimal damage at my place. That seems to be the first kind of go-to and our team have been incredibly fortunate as well as far as no direct impact to their properties. We all obviously went through the week of no power or service. Yeah. For those of us living in Hastings, we had it restored you know, within 48 to 72 hours, but we're very much cut off from the team in Napier. So that in itself was a bit of an experience, but we are well. In fact, just incredibly concerned and busy working for the operators because as you can imagine, it's not an easy road to recovery. So busy yeah Yeah, because it does seem like obviously the whole region was hit hard but there were parts of Hawke's Bay that were yeah affected more than others like it wasn't just a power outage or communications outage obviously we saw what happened in Esk Valley so can you give us a bit of an overview of what's happened around the region Yes, absolutely. So some areas within the region suffered much more physical impact than others. And I think that kind of presents the challenge now. It's localised to more rural communities or some of the more rural communities. So Pukatapu, Esk Valley, Pakafai, certainly Wairawa is still cut off. The first initial challenge was that Napier was inaccessible from each direction. So Mm. 
within the week, once the roading networks were re-established, we were able to establish quite quickly that Napier CBD, Hastings CBD, Havelock North, like when you have power restored, you could walk down the main street and it feels like nothing has happened or no great impact. And so from a visitor sector standpoint, you can now well, within the week, fly in and out of Hawke's Bay Airport, head off to your hotel in Napier CBD, go off, do your activities, attractions, visit a winery and fly out. And ultimately it would feel like, what's the big deal? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's the messaging around that prime real estate with the six o'clock news every night, right? When you're being these Mm -hmm. images of Esk Valley and it is sheer devastation and so many Mm. of the communities are still working through that. But the challenge for our visitor economy and the visitor sector is that when you ask any average New Zealander what the state of Hawke's Bay right now and they're thinking that it's silt covered at the same way Esk, Esk Valley or, or some of the more damaged areas are and that presents a real challenge for the operators who are within the CBDs and mm-hmm. within all of the areas that our tourists would usually frequent. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that was one of the things at the start of all of this when, or I guess when power was restored, but It's a balancing act, isn't it, with that messaging saying, well, yes, we still want you to come and visit. But then I was looking at a lot of comments online and people really wanted to go and support Hawke's Bay. And I even said to my husband, like, we love coming across to Hawke's Bay for the weekend. And obviously, until today, we haven't been able to get there directly across the Napier Topo Highway. And yeah, it's been one of those things going, but I don't want to go and put extra stress or pressure on the infrastructure when they're still trying to recover and rebuild. Absolutely. And that messaging came through from our our loyal visitors as much as our international trade partners. It was almost that the question was being put to us, are you ready? Are you ready to have visitors back? And I think for those first few weeks, the honest answer was probably no, because we were still looking to establish who had actually been impacted and what Mm. the actual impacts were. And then, of course, you've got the councils were very quick to release their position on whether or not they wanted to welcome them back. And that all came from the discussion around what events are coming and is the region in the position to have a bill with 10,000 people? Yes, Um, yes. So, or a concert. <laughs> yeah, or a concert, yes. And I think because Sting, right, Sting was due to play at Mission Estate. And you're constantly balancing or constantly looking at both perspectives because on one hand you've got those operators who would have had an absolute banger of a weekend by having a concert um yeah but then on the other hand you've got every single generator in Hawke's Bay that's being put to use in these areas that have been so devastated so the call was made eventually on Sting and that was I believe cancelled and he donated a bunch of the funds yes yeah he did which was great because I think it was probably the promoters there that made a bit of a clangor with their initial communications that came out about that but obviously it got sorted in the end and I do think it was probably the right decision it was just a little bit too soon Absolutely. And then you're considering things like after that initial week when we were able to establish that over 85% of Hawke's Bay operators in the tourism and hospitality sector were unimpacted. So open and operating as usual. And then you've got your biggest challenge that of course is access because Mm. that's all well and good. But if you can't get the visitors to, yes, absolutely. And so we established again pretty quickly that the roading networks in from the south were fine. So absolutely coming up from Wellington 
Come on in. But then the Napier Topol Road has only just today been reopened for members of the public. Yeah. And of course, like I'll just say, we are recording this on Monday. So we're a couple of days ahead of when this goes live. But yeah, we are very excited to have that Napier Topol Road reopened. But even in saying that, it's only opening daylight hours and there's still 32 sections of that road that have been damaged. So I guess NZTA are probably still, they're working through this, but if there was too much traffic, well, obviously that could cause even greater impacts on the road. It's, it's Yeah, there's so many balls up in the air and managing this to try and help everybody along plan. Absolutely. And I think that's where it's the the planning ahead or time will tell now, now that it is open as far as what the speed restrictions in certain sections actually mean for the total duration of the Mm. journey. We're going to be learning more on a daily basis and that advice will change weekly. But ultimately, it always comes down to checking Waka Kotahi to see what the best route is going to be and being able to plan ahead. Yep. And there's always a few crazies on that road anyway, so hopefully that'll slow them down. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't know what you're referring to there, Michelle, because My experience that road's is an absolute dream. to take you on blind <laughs> corners. It's like, guys, windy road. What are you doing? <laughs> it is so interesting. I uh, Well, I suppose I've been a Hawke's Bay local for three years now, and it was that perception of the Napier Topol Road, and I was thinking, oh, it's going to be horrific. I think that road is, well, was, is going to be again, absolutely amazing, but it's the Mm. way people drive on it. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That's the New Zealand drivers though, right? Like everywhere in the country, I'm like, why? Why can't you just, yep, calm down, follow the road rules? Yep. Or wait till we get to a passing lane rather than trying to pass me on a blind corner at 100 k's an hour. (laughs) Right. And there's so many along that road. So you, it's just (laughs) sheer, yeah. Yeah, I agree. The road, the road is great. It was great. And I'm interested <laughs> to see, yeah, how it's how it's all looking. So yeah, we'll be over soon to to come and visit you guys. Now you oh, mentioned awesome. that 85% of your operators are up and running. Can you kind of yes. give me a bit of an overview of how they've been affected and what regions like what's happening with your wineries and stuff like that? You'll be very pleased to hear that the majority have been unimpacted. Us already operating and and serving everyone as they always did with the impeccable service and amazing food and wine. That Again, it comes down to those select areas. So Mm. you would know Craggy Range, Black Barn, Mission Estate, Church Road, all of those big names all along Tiawanga. They are all okay, open. Craggy, I think, is still full <laughs> yeah. every night. No surprises but, there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So all of those traditional ones, and certainly most that feature in any of the guided tours or the daily tours, yeah. open, operating, doing tastings. Mm-hmm. But there have been an, an, a couple, in fact, a few, all the valley in particular. Valley, yeah. yeah, You've also got Brookfields, which are working through some of the damage to their property. Yeah. And I believe they hope to reopen ASAP. Yeah, so that you're thinking of when you think Hawke's Bay and food and wine is pretty much still there and unaffected. So yeah, yeah. one of the key questions we got from trade partners once services were restored and we were able to communicate again was such and such operator is open and operating. My guests are flying in, so they could still come, but should they? And what does it actually look like on the ground? And is it that they'll be driving down every road and there's mountains of silt to each side? And so we were quite proactive with our trade partners and they went out and took photos. So it was just like, these aren't marketing photos, but this is just a Dropbox of all of these photos of what our property and what our tours look like today, post-cyclone, so that you can see what your clients will be experiencing when they're on the ground. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. Because I guess if we think back to all of the warnings that we had for Cyclone Gabrielle, I think I might have mentioned this to you when we chatted before recording this, but I wasn't expecting Hawke's Bay to be hit as hard as, well, certainly as hard as you were, but I don't even know that you were really on the radar. Was that no. how you felt on the ground? really is. It, and I think Hawke's Bay was added that Monday afternoon. We started seeing Hawke's Bay listed in those areas of concern. But, yep. I mean, I was probably one of the more naive of those on the ground. I went and left my car in Napier. I live in Havelock to get the windscreen replaced the following day, just in case the rain was so bad I wanted to work from home. Oh. And so the last thing you want, here's a tip for any listeners, always, always have access to a radio for news. And then also a car because you can charge your electronic devices if you don't have power, right? But when yes. you don't have a car, you don't have a radio and you don't have a way to charge anything. So I was really caught out in that sense. But I think it, so many people were not expecting it to be yes. as dramatic as it was. Yeah, so I, I've got another tip because I've got a friend who lives over there and they went out and just put, I think it was like 30 or $40 of petrol in their car. And of course, that was chewed through just trying to charge their phone batteries. And they were like, right, tip for everybody going forward, fill your car with fuel before anything like that. There's so many things that we learn from all of these so many. experiences, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like those in your neighborhood with a barbecue they'll come in handy because yes. I, um, well I sent but, my husband out because of course we were getting warnings here in Topo as well and I said to my husband go and fill this because we've got to, always got a spare gas bottle and the spare one was empty and I said can you go and get that filled because I don't know how much is left in the one that's on the barbecue and I want to have the spare just in case because I mean we were very fortunate here we didn't even lose power and I had a tomato plant blow over in a pot out the back like literally that was it and I don't want to be glib about that but we were very very fortunate it was incredibly windy and we've lost our mountain bike park and some of the forests have been decimated here but compared to what you guys have been through and, and Tairawhiti and even West Auckland and Coromandel yeah. all of our favorite places we were very fortunate but it did make me think we need to be prepared just in case yeah. and I tied things down and yeah and I guess another thing that really surprised was the vulnerability of all of the networks, right? Like, sure, you can appreciate the city going down, but to lose cell coverage and all of your services to ultimately communicate or to get news. Yeah, um, and I'm the same because I guess I didn't realise that on all of those bridges are all the services as well. So you've got your fibre lines and all your connections. When you don't think about... Like, how Absolutely. does water get to my house? It just gets yes. to my house. I don't know where the pipes are. <laughs> the internet, I don't know. I plug it in. Yeah, and then from all the of a sudden wall, you these bridges get washed away and they go, oh, yeah, and that pipe there is water and that is there is something of the fibre and that's something else. And you're like, oh, my goodness. And you, so just... you can appreciate how it takes a little bit of time to restore. Yeah. When I think about it in that much detail, I'm just fascinated that given the extent of the damage, it is so like it feels like it's so back to normal like mm. how incredible that there was just all of these teams all of these people like who are they that seem yep. to come in and do all of the work and make it all happen and everything's back up and running it's so quick I, you're so quick to forget really 
I know, considering that we talk a lot on this show about how short-staffed everybody is, yeah. like seriously, where did all these people come from? Like when I watched that video, it was a guy, and you probably saw it because I think it went quite viral, and he was doing an emergency dash into Hawke's Bay across the Topol Napier Highway, oh, wow. yeah. and he videoed it. And honestly, I was just like, I don't know when that's ever going to be open to the public. You know, it just yeah. seemed, and here they are a month later, it's opened and you know, wow, that's incredible. Like, and, and I that's think just I, one of how many roads, like, absolutely. Yeah. I totally share that. I think it's certainly in those first couple of weeks, and you're looking at it going, oh gosh, Waka Kotahi are saying four weeks. They're saying four weeks that perhaps Napier Topol is going to be back open. And you're yeah. thinking, oh, that's not going to happen. Like, there's no way that's possible. But yet, yeah. here we are. And I particularly liked how they did the truck convoy as the first, first ride yeah. through. And I thought, well, if roads can withhold all of those trucks, trucks. We, we, we're good. I mean, they're obviously pretty stringent, you know, health and safety oh, yes. checks. But that certainly gives me confidence. If it's giant trucks that are making the trip, I'm sure I can do it in my car. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Now, coming back to your role in the RTO, yes. I mean, what's been your main focus over the last month? And when I say you, like your team as a yeah. whole, like where have you jumped in to help and support your operators? So initially it was very much establishing who had suffered damage and who needed assistance. And we needed to establish that for multiple reasons. One was because we want to let the outside, our partners know, we, and we needed to understand the extent of the damage because we are obviously the agency or the organization that does a lot of the advocacy on behalf of those partners so mm. when it came to financial assistance or help we needed to map out a plan as to what that recovery was going to look like in the short and long term it was basically like a phone tree or even going door knocking because a lot of people were still without power and so it was giant list very simple a giant list of all of our operators and we divided them out to the team and made our way down and then also of course you've got the recovery in mind because I'm um, sure you can appreciate like me that time is of the essence particularly in the likes of the trade market because mm. if you have a message get out there that the region is decimated right end of they're moving all of their clients that are already traveling and they'll also stop quoting for any of the business that is mm -hmm. coming and that's business that would otherwise be coming through in a 12 18 months yeah. 24 months exactly so the last thing that's going to be good for the region and those operators is to have the wrong message out there with in regards to Hawke's Bay's ability to cater to those visitors. Yeah, so the recovery is front of mind and it certainly is now. Now that we've established it, we much clearer position on access in and out of the region and of timelines, Yep. how that access is going to be impacted. And so it'll be about a recovery campaign, certainly in the domestic market and making sure that we're hitting the ground hard in the trade and business events mm -hmm. sectors to make sure that the correct information is out there. Yep, yep. So in terms of access now, you've mentioned flights coming in. We've talked about the Napier-Topor Highway. You've got access from the south. What are you waiting on now? What is there anything that's still yet to open? No. So, well, there are certainly individual roads and some bridges that are still down within the region. Right. But from yep. a visitor, it, that's almost, I, I, I pain to say it because it's nothing is irrelevant. There's very real yep. hurt and pain in those communities. Yep. But it's almost irrelevant for the visitor sector comms and the role that we 
play within that because it doesn't impact someone's ability to come and enjoy the region in the way and that they always get around did. and see everything. Yeah. Absolutely. To kind of return to that recovery piece. So my personal role within Hawke's Bay Tourism is to look after the trade sector, business events and crews. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking at how you stage that recovery or where your priorities are first, you're thinking, okay, well, how can we make the biggest impact as quickly as possible? What can be restored? What's going to take a little bit longer? And Cruise is a really good example of that because you're working with different agencies within the region. You've got the port, different councils, business associations, and everyone's got different interests. And then you've got to be cognizant of the fact that there are communities who are still really hurting. Mm. Um, But how do you do that in a way that's not going to place any additional pressure on the infrastructure and deliver as much good as possible? And I think that, you know, Cruise is a great example of how that was achieved. We welcomed them back, I think it was about two weeks after the initial impact. And that's just been so well received. The businesses have all reported that they have been really enjoying having cruise visitors back in the region. And then also some really positive feedback from the visitors themselves saying, oh, we received such a warm welcome. Um, we were thanked for being here and thanked for our spend so yeah oh brilliant because yeah obviously as you know we had Ro from ID Tours on the show a couple of weeks ago and she was just about to head down to Napier for that very reason just to get a feel for what people on the ground were thinking about crews returning so great to hear that it all went well and absolutely Absolutely. It was it, that actually having her on the ground was fantastic. It also, I thought, really highlighted the different approaches from our key distribution partners as to how to support with that recovery. The communication was key for them, and they were all about wanting to support the operators who they work with already, but then also being aware of what the community wants. And then ultimately what the visitor is actually going to experience, like mm. how are they going to be treated? Ocean partners or trade partners have certainly taken different approaches there. Some were very quick just to cut because they're all busy. They're really they're time yeah. poor, but they weren't necessarily interested in hearing from those on the ground. Others were very much like, okay, if you're saying you're good, we're sending them anyway and the visitors are coming. And then others were like, we'll work with you. We'll see what's on the ground and, and go yeah. from there. Yeah, I guess when you look at it from that trade perspective, it's been a really challenging summer, hasn't it? Because it hasn't just been Cyclone Gabrielle. There's been a whole bunch of other issues that have impacted on how they're running their tours. And, of course, every time something happens, it's a whole lot of work for them to reschedule and cancel and reroute everybody different ways through the country so you can kind of understand it from their perspective but obviously yes absolutely and I mean just got everyone (laughs) isn't it like every every area of the industry under just so Mm. much pressure and it isn't just Hawks Bay there's been a number of other disruptions or theories with the crossing and gosh I feel for them it's just endless isn't it yeah on every it is Yeah, we didn't really expect to come out of COVID and (laughs) all of these (laughs) challenges thrown in our way, but it has, and we are resilient. We keep saying that, so we'll keep going and (laughs) put our smiles on and off we go. So, Heather, you've talked about supporting your industry in terms of the areas of focus, because what we're not trying to do here is downplay the impact that this cyclone has had on various parts of your region but obviously a lot of your region is back to normal if you like so I guess there's that balance for us so where's your focus now looking ahead 
I guess it comes down to as a regional tourism organization, it's almost a, a matter of staying in your lane and influencing that which you can. Mm. So other agencies have kicked in for financial support, for welfare, to help anyone who is still impacted and struggling. But ultimately, what we do is drive visitation and drive economic development or economic growth of the Hawke's Bay region through visitor spend. And mm. so it's going to be a matter of getting back to doing exactly that and implementing a recovery strategy, recovery campaigns, and ensuring that the operators and everyone who makes up the visitor economy in Hawke's Bay, who is able to host and is able to deliver the amazing experience that they always have, has people there ready to pay them to do it. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. And when you're looking at an, an event like this, money from outside of the region helps boost that and if it's tourism dollars being spent in many of the different areas that it can be in the region that's a good thing right so yeah so certainly not wanting to take away from the hardship that some of your region is still experiencing but yeah as you say you're staying in your lane and that sounds like a good strategy and hopefully the tourism dollars will help rebuild some of those harder hit areas as well absolutely and it's the flow on effect right like all of those local tourism operators employ people from the region so a lot of their employees would have been impacted because through their homes or through their family and so them now losing their job is not helping anyone by keeping that visitor spend coming in is keeping everyone employed it's it's adding that vibrancy and it's keeping the money going around which is exactly what the region needs to recover Yes, exactly. And I think we talked about this quite a while ago on the show, but just in terms of the tourism dollars, I mean, because a lot of people say, oh, they just get filtered into these big companies. And for some reason, people who don't work in tourism think that people who own tourism businesses are really rich. So where that (laughs) perception comes from, because I don't see many rich listers in (laughs) tourism, but you're thinking about those employees and they're all shopping in the supermarkets, they're eating out, they're sending their kids to childcare. Like that's all money that comes from visitors to our various economies because that's how the money goes around and that's what drives that growth in our region. Absolutely. And I mean, a statement like that could almost not, it couldn't be less true of a region like Hawke's Bay when you think about it, because there's Mm. so many independent shops and we are not a region of big brands. We are a region of owner operators and whether it be the local shops or the accommodation, certainly the restaurants and the cafes, like this is all just Hawks Bay owned, which is the beauty of the experience when you're on the ground, actually, because yes. you've got a local guy who owns this amazing restaurant who buys his produce from the farmer up the road. And it is this true farm to plate experience. And yeah, there's there's not a lot of tourism spend leakage, if you will. Yeah, yeah. It's very much that Kiwi experience, personalized experience. It's not a cookie cutter approach at all in Hawks no. Bay. That's <laughs> no. why it's one of my favorite regions. And I'm not just <laughs> saying that because you're on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's like you spend with us and the money stays with us. So yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we oh, love perfect. That. Look, Heather, how can we help as listeners, as trade? We've got a whole bunch of different types of listeners, but what mm-hmm. do you need from us? Like what how can we help you? recover the key way that you can continue to support is to stay informed and to keep visiting or to Mm. keep Hawke's Bay in the itineraries stay informed with what's going on and 
also buy Hawke's Bay products. There is mm. just so much coming out of food and wine country. So chances are half the products on the shelves in your supermarkets are from Hawke's Bay in some way, shape or form and buy our wine. But in the absence of being able to buy the, the products, come and visit, plan a weekend, plan ahead, talk to the operators, see what they need. But ultimately coming at it from a, a tourism industry perspective, the number one way that you could support would be to come and visit yeah. and to spend money and to keep those plans and keep your clients coming. Yeah, There has been short-term impact for sure this month or the next mm. few weeks, but there's absolutely no reason why Hawke's Bay shouldn't retain its position in everyone's itinerary or as an absolute must-do. Yeah, brilliant advice. And I also love the advice of staying informed because I think like as tourism people we do talk to a lot of people ourselves don't we so we're always on the road and we're visiting trade and even though we might not be representing Hawke's Bay product if we know what's happening there and we know how you guys are placed we can help Absolutely. you spread the word as well and get the message out there that yes you are open for business and yeah everything's up and running and yeah it's such a great point we as tourist people so much of it is about those collaborative relationships or the collectives that we're part of and actually the week following the cyclone we had our explore partners so explore mm. central north island as a little collective of eight of us rtos within the central north island and there was a group of them that were in australia for imm and then followed by a roadshow so it was just such a great example of how your partners within this industry are also your greatest advocates. I was yes. talking to different wholesalers in the weeks following and they were saying, oh, yes, we had Lou in or who had said how amazing that over 85% of the operators are fine. That's so great. And so what a quick way to get our message out through those yep. partnerships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I often get phone calls from friends who are travel agents in Australia or and just asking, what should we do when we're here? Or friends who are coming to visit, can you give me places to stay in Queenstown or whatever it is? So I think, yeah, as industry professionals, I guess we do like to stay up to date with what's happening around the place. And I mean, it is good to hear that you guys are on track for recovery and I know in some parts there will still be a long way to go and obviously we're thinking about all of those people but yeah great to hear that yeah most of your region is pretty much back to normal because it was yeah it was pretty horrific watching all of those videos on the news at the time because it just didn't seem real. No, and actually, and I, I certainly would hate to minimize any of that because the impact yeah. is extensive and there are a lot of people who will be recovering for a long time and not even to mention the horticulture sector, you know, but that's relevant to the New Zealand economy, not yeah. just Hawke's Bay as a region. But when it comes to visitation and, and tourists and, and what that experience is, we're just incredibly fortunate because, yeah. It, it, it's that, that same great Hawke's Bay experience with the Art Deco architecture yep. and Cape Kidnappers and the Gannets and everything, yep. food and wine. And tourism is a wonderful way. Like when we look at any of the big oh, events that have happened in, in the country, tourism is a really good start for recovery, I think, because it is Absolutely. that the people to people experience. It's sharing those stories. It's I think everybody who goes into a region after a major event like this, and it was the same in Christchurch, I think they have 
empathy and they want to connect and they want to spend money in the region and they're very mindful of their footprint and the effect that their visit may have on the region and I think that's really useful for both sides to have those experiences. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more I think one of the most you know, in your face observations was the vibrancy that came back to the CBD when you had the likes of a cruise ship in. And you think that has suffered this devastation. You're looking to recover and trying to recover, but you walk down Main Street and there's no one there. And then you add visitors to that mix and you realize even regardless of whether you're in the tree or not, that visitors are adding something to the communities that we exist within. Yeah. And they're spending money. They're not just doing tourism activities. They're spending in the retail, they're spending in the hospitality. And that just gives everyone a bit of a boost because particularly after two years of lockdowns and in and out of COVID and all of that kind of stuff, some of those industries have been really hard hit, like tourism we all know about. But, you know, retail and hospital, they need people in their businesses as much as we do in tourism. And yeah, it does give you, there's nothing like having a busy day at work, is there? And the tills are ringing and people are happy and they're laughing and sharing their experiences. And it just, yeah, it gives everybody, it's in the endorphins. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh my gosh. And I guess, and that's the concern. And I worry for, for our operators because when there's that lack of demand is crippling. Like that as a region or as individuals within the region, we've had this horrible experience, traumatic experience, if you will. And then it's almost like the lack of demand is only going to drag on that trauma for so many business owners. Yes. Because as soon as the the business goes under, it's just, yeah, it's getting in the way of recovery by not having people there spending money. And And particularly at this time of the year when summer is when we all make money in tourism. I mean, the ski fields are pretty much the only exception to that and yeah if you lose a month or two months of summer that has a major major impact on your business so everybody that's listening jump online now and book your winter holiday (laughs) to Hawke's Bay Oh and my I gosh, want to hear absolutely. That you've been there. <laughs> think, think, yeah. A warm indoor fire with an amazing glass oh, yeah. of Syrah, leather chair, beautiful oh, yeah. view. We've had a couple of winter breaks in Hawke's Bay, and I love it for that exact reason. I stayed <laughs> last time we went, we stayed in this gorgeous little Airbnb cottage that had a It was an outdoor fire, but it was an enclosed porch. And honestly, it was the cutest place I've ever stayed. Absolutely loved it. And we did exactly that glass of red in front of the fire, a few nibbles, and it was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You can't beat it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, Heather, look, that's the end of my questions. And I know that you're very busy, so I should let you get back to your operators and big IBO days up in Auckland this week. But thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. I know you guys have been through a lot over there, but it's great to get the real picture out into the public. And I know you guys have been doing a great job doing that. And hopefully this little little show and little podcast will get out to a few more people and they'll enjoy hearing your story as well so thank you for joining me thank you very much for having me thanks michelle okay talk to you soon Kake. Kake bye